بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على أشرف الأنبياء والمرسلين سيدنا محمد ابن عبد الله وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين ومن تبعهم بإحسان إلى يوم الدين أما بعد Respected elders, dear brothers and sisters السلام عليكم ورحمة الله تعالى وبركاته Many of us are well aware of the situation in various parts of the world, in particular in countries that are considered to be Muslim or Muslim-majority countries. And I'm not talking in particular about the geopolitical or the, the political situation, but what I mean is the humanitarian situation. In particular, the Syrian refugee crisis. Subhanallah, today we are so connected in today's world that, you know, we have, of course, satellite news channels, the internet, email, WhatsApp, you know, social media, updates on our phones. And if it was just, you know, if we were just a few hundred years back, we possibly wouldn't know for months what was happening in other parts of the world. And today we find out in mere days, hours, and minutes sometimes. Now we, what happens as a result is we almost sometimes, it seems like, get used to the news cycle. That we hear about tragedies, we hear about crises, we hear about different circumstances in different parts of the world, and it's almost like a show, right? We see it, we see the pictures, we see the images, we feel bad about it, and then the news cycle moves on. For those who are directly affected, or those who have family that are affected, they can, of course, put a face, a name to those who are suffering and who are affected, by these tragedies and these crises. But for the many more, the majority of the people who can't, who don't know anyone who is affected, for them, it should not just be another war or just another disaster. We should not become desensitized to that point where we forget that this is about human suffering and that these are fellow human beings who are going through very difficult and many times terrifying circumstances. We shouldn't think that this is someone else's sickness or someone else's legal problems or someone else's issues. It is our pain. It is our sickness. These are our problems and our issues. The Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam has said the believers in their mutual kindness, compassion, and sympathy are just like one body. When one of the limbs suffers, the whole body responds. The whole body responds to it with wakefulness and with fever. Now most chances are we've heard this hadith before as well, the meaning of this hadith. The Prophet alayhi salatu has identified three qualities of the believers in this hadith. So the first one is mutual kindness. 
compassion and sympathy. Of course, they're very similar in their meaning. And we are just like limbs of the same body. So we are all networked, we are all interconnected. Whether we realize it or not, whether it feels like it or not, but that's the reality. That we are all part of one body. And our state, the way we feel and what we experience, should be reflective of the state of our brothers and sisters. So when our brothers and sisters in faith are happy, we also share in their joy. We also share in their joy. We also feel happy because we're part of the same body. So for example, you know, when our brothers and sisters, whether it's individuals, families, communities, countries, when they celebrate something good that has happened, when they celebrate a blessing of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, we should also feel that joy. We should also be thankful to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We saw celebrations, of course, when dictators were disposed. And, you know, some Canadians have been acting this way as well recently. You know, been celebrating. So, in that, when that happens, then... We also, we also celebrate in a good way and we share in their joy and we also express gratitude towards Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. On the other hand, when our brothers and sisters suffer, then we also share in their pain. Now we may not physically be feeling any pain because our circumstances may be worlds apart, may be completely different. The reality that one person is experiencing halfway around the world right now is maybe the complete opposite of the reality we are facing and we are experiencing right now. But regardless where the suffering may be, we also share in their pain. So whether it's Syria, whether it's Palestine, whether it's Iraq or Afghanistan or Somalia or Yemen or anywhere else, that we also share in their pain. But sharing in the pain and feeling sympathy, and feeling compassion, and feeling bad, is not good enough. It's not enough to just feel. It's important. It's important to feel. It's important to have compassion, to feel compassion, to feel sympathetic. It's important to have those feelings. It's very important. But we must not stop just at feelings. Because feelings alone only can go so far. The Prophet ﷺ actually pointed out that the body responds. Responds. Right? It doesn't just feel, but it must respond. In another hadith, the Prophet ﷺ has talked about how a Muslim should be with another. Muslim. How a Muslim should be with one another. He first said, should not deceive. Second, should not lie. And thirdly, not leave them without assistance. Don't leave your brother or sister without assistance. And also, if you think about it, if Muslims are like one body, if the believers are like one body, then the rest of humanity is also part of the family. Right? If the Muslims are part of the same body, then the rest of humanity is part of the same family. Right? We are all 
Bani Adam, all the children of Adam alayhi salam. So therefore, we should also extend our concern and our assistance to anyone in need. The hadith of the Prophet ﷺ also tells us that one who does not show mercy, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will not be merciful towards them. La Allah man la nas. Allah will not be merciful to those who are not merciful to the people. Right? And from this we learn a very important principle. We may have discussed this in the past as well, that the life of this world in particular our attitudes our attitudes towards others in this world are connected to the attitude and the the the, uh, the approach taken by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala towards us in the hereafter there's a connection between the two a person can't behave in a negative way in this life and then expect that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will deal with them positively in the next life that would be foolish that would be a foolish thought to think that I can get away without being compassionate, without being merciful, without being sympathetic, without being forgiven, without being forgiving in this life, and that I expect all of this from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala towards me in the next life. Right? So there's numerous examples. The Prophet wasallam, as I mentioned, said Allah will not be merciful to those who are not merciful to the people. So if you want Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to be merciful towards you, and who doesn't want that? Then you need to be merciful towards the creation of Allah. Similarly, the Prophet ﷺ tells us in another hadith that whoever, whoever fulfills the needs of his brother, and of course this brother is general, includes sisters as well. So whoever fulfills the needs of his brother, Allah will fulfill his needs. And whoever removes the troubles of his brother, Allah will remove one of his troubles on the day of resurrection. Right, so once again we see the same connection That you remove someone else's troubles And of course this is not the trouble in the hereafter Because in the hereafter no one's going to be able to really help anyone else right? Unless Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grants someone the authority Or the power to do shafa'ah, to intercede Apart from that, no one else is going to be help, able to help anyone else In the day of judgment right? Brothers, sisters, your parents Your mother who you love who loves you, your children, your wife that you love, and who love you, you're all going to be running away from each other. This is not some story or some myth, you know, that we think about. This is reality. This is going to happen. This is going to happen. Every single one of us will see each other and we'll run away from each other. Right now we're together. But that's not going to be the case on the Day of Judgment. Right? Right now someone asks you for a dollar, asks you for a penny, you might give it to them. On the Day of Resurrection, on the Day of Judgment, someone will ask you, I can ask you for one deed, you're not going to give it to me. No matter how charitable you may be in this life On that day It's going to be nafsi, nafsi, everyone Every person for themselves So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam Telling us that if you want Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to remove a trouble On that day from you To remove someone else's trouble today Do that today Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will pay you back for that In many ways inshaAllah But one of the ways will be that Allah azza wa jalla will remove one of your troubles on the day of resurrection. And I will see my brothers and sisters, the other thing we have to realize is that Allah Azza wa Jal tests people. This is what this dunya is about, this is what life and death are about. Right? So this is 
a place of bala, of trials and tests, they're going to come. He's going to test us in different ways. Loss of life, illnesses, loss of crops, this and that. So different types of challenges, they are going to come. This is part of living in this dunya. Now Allah tests people in different ways. Sometimes through difficulty, but also through ease. Many times, through difficulty, but also through ease. So just because we don't face any difficulties, relatively, when we look at other, you know, our brothers and sisters, other, you know, uh, members of humanity around the world, so just because we don't seem to face any difficulties, it doesn't mean that we are automatically special in Allah's sight. You should never fall for this trap. Right? Sometimes you think, okay, Alhamdulillah, we live you know, in such a great place, Alhamdulillah, it's so safe, and there's prosperity. You know, even if you, you, know, you lose your job, you still have you know, some types of supports that are available. Alhamdulillah, there's no earthquakes, no tornadoes. You know, there's the, the, so you think about all the blessings of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And you say, okay, this is, you know, as we say, one of the best countries in the world, Alhamdulillah. Right? And we live in, in relative prosperity and safety in so many ways. But just because of that, it doesn't mean that we are special, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has chosen us, or that we have done something great, or we have done something good to deserve this. This is the wrong way to think. This is not how a believer thinks. Right? Instead, we should be thinking that is this our test? Every person should be thinking that if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has allowed me to live so far without any major trials, and we hope and we pray to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that He allows us to live our entire life without any major tragedies and major uh, problems. Does that mean though, could that mean that our life itself was a test in all of this goodness and all of this peace and prosperity that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala granted us? That that was our test. So what did we do with all of that? How did we respond and how did we behave? Especially when we saw and we heard of the pains of others. You know, back in the days, this media didn't exist. And life was generally harsh and life was difficult for everyone around the world. Now we see the media is there. So media definitely communicates, and I don't just mean mainstream media, but media in general, right? Social media, all other types of media and mediums of communication. We have access to all these videos and images and updates of what is happening. Yet at the same time, the standard of living has drastically changed as well. So this perhaps is a test from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That when we see, we hear the pains of others, how do we respond? And are we, or are we emotionally dead where there is no response that we're so used to, as I mentioned, seeing things on the news and we're so used to watching violent movies and playing violent video games, especially you know, young people nowadays. Then, you know, there's, we emotionally become dead, we become desensitized, and there's no response. Or do we actually mobilize and do whatever we can, whatever is within our power, and that which is religiously and legally permissible? So, this is something to think about. This is something to reflect upon and to think about. Now, we also know that some young Muslims have been sincere. In my opinion, I think most of them were sincere and concerned 
about the suffering that they saw through the internet, through various means, in places like Syria. And they, they felt something, as I've been discussing. Right? They felt the urge, they felt the need to, to help and to bring about some sort of change. But what ended up happening is that they got duped. They got duped into responding in a completely inappropriate way. So the sincerity may have been there, the intentions may have been good initially, the desire was there to do something, but they were taken for a ride by people who don't have their best interests in mind. So if you want to do something, if someone really you know, feels like they want to do something and they want to get the reward of being a mujahid, of struggling, fighting in the path of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to please Allah, then there are thousands of widows, sadly. There are thousands of orphans, of people who had and now they have nothing. And the Prophet ﷺ tells us that one who strives, one who strives to help the widows or the poor, is like the one who strives in the cause of Allah. So the person who struggles, who strives to help widows and help the poor is like the one who struggles in the cause of Allah. Essentially is like a mujahid. Or, or like the one who prays at night and fasts during the day. So to, to, to be concerned about looking after widows, to be concerned about looking after the poor, to actually make an effort, you know, run around and make an effort, sacrifice time and effort and sleep and gas and whatever it is out of concern, right? This is akin to being a mujahid and being on the front lines. So this is what the Prophet ﷺ has told us. Something to keep in mind. Plus, we must also remember that as believers, we know that success is measured by effort, not results. This is a big difference in the way that a believer thinks. For the believer, the success is measured by effort and by acceptance from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Right? It is not measured by results. So every little bit counts. Every little bit counts. It's not that I made an effort and there's no result, so then that's it. You know, that, or my effort went to waste. No. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, فَمَنْ يَعْمَلْ مِنَ الصَّالِحَاتِ وَهُوَ مُؤْمِنٌ فَلَا كُفْرَانَ لِسَعِيهِ So whoever does righteous deeds while he is a believer, or while she is a believer, فَلَا كُفْرَانَ لِسَعِيهِ His efforts will not be rejected. The efforts will not go to waste. وَإِنَّا لَهُ كَاتِبُونَ And we are to put it on record. So every little good deed, every little concern, every little thought even, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will record that and inshallah we will get the reward for that. So our brothers and sisters in a number of countries have been trying their best to offer support to the refugees, mainly from Syria. And as we have seen, there are many compassionate people as well in Europe who have also come out. There's opposition as well, but there are people, there are good people who want to help and who have opened their doors and their hearts to help the refugees. There are more than 4 million refugees, 
from Syria. In just five countries. Turkey, Lebanon, Jordan, Iraq, and Egypt. Lebanon has been hosting approximately 1.2 million refugees, which amounts to around one in five people in the country. Jordan, approximately 650,000 refugees from Syria, about 10% of the population, and the numbers may have fluctuated. Turkey, 1.9 million refugees from Syria, more than any other country in the world. Iraq, where 3 million people are already refugees internally displaced, another 250,000 or so Syrian refugees. Egypt, 132,000, the latest numbers that I have, which may be a bit outdated refugees from Syria and of course other countries as well. We have small groups in Canada that have been working, individuals coming together, churches, some groups of Muslims now as well, alhamdulillah, been working on sponsoring individual families to Canada. Some members of our community, mashallah, have been very active in working for this as well. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bless them and reward them. Now the Canadian government is working on bringing, as you may know, 25,000 refugees very soon. The election promise was to do it before the end of the year. We'll see if that's realistically possible or not. But nonetheless, the arrangements are being made for 25,000 refugees to be brought to Canada. It reminds us actually, in some ways, about Negus or Najashi, who was the Abyssinian king, who was Christian and who hosted the first group of Muslim refugees, Muslims fleeing from Makkah al-Mukarramah because of persecution, and this is religious persecution, right? And finding refuge with an, a, a, a Christian kingdom, and a Christian king, uh, and who welcomed them with open arms. And there was a time, actually, when there was a rebellion against them afterwards, and the Muslims supported him in that rebellion and offered him support. Mostly it was intelligence support. So this is really our opportunity. Because we will have 25,000 refugees coming to our country, this is really our opportunity to, to, to really show the qualities of the Ansar of Medina. To show the qualities of the Ansar of Medina al-Munawwara. So the Prophet ﷺ at that time had paired up the Muhajirun and the Ansar. One Muhajir, one Ansar. Together. They're basically buddies. And they set a great example of Akhuwa, of brotherhood and sisterhood, in embracing the immigrants, the Muhajirun from Mecca. To a great extent, subhanAllah, probably never seen before, sharing with them and offering everything that they possibly could, like half of everything that they owned half of their wealth and half of everything. That okay, you are now my brother that the Prophet ﷺ has assigned. I am like your brother and I will give you half of everything I own. And these are not people who just owned you know, small amounts. These were wealthy companions of the Prophet ﷺ. I mean, some of them were wealthy. And they offered to give half of their entire wealth. Now the Muhajirun, the immigrants from Mecca, they didn't want to be generally be dependent upon their hosts. So we see how this works. The hosts are willing to offer everything. They're, 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 they're very open, very welcoming. On the other hand, those who came, they didn't want to be dependent. And they only took the help that was necessary to start supporting themselves. 
the stories of how everything was offered, half of the wealth, how everything was offered. I said, no, it's okay. Right? Just tell me where the market is so I can go and start selling some things and start setting myself up. Right? So this is the approach. So we are the host community. Our responsibility is to be out there and to give whatever support, as much support as we seriously can, not just as an afterthought, afterthought but to seriously take it as a responsibility and to do it to the best of our ability. Now we may have you know, already offered financial support, mashallah, we've, we've, you know, been collect, we've raised funds in the, in the past as well. And there have been appeals for donations like used clothing and things like that. Um, but the time is coming for us, we still need to do those, but the time is really coming for us to step up and offer human support. To offer human support. One is just material support, right? Offering money, offering things. But we're not talking about, you know, we're talking about people. We're not talking about machines or robots that you need know, to just feed, right? We're talking about people. These are individuals who have gone through a lot, maybe traumatized in many ways, right? So there's a real need to offer human support. And we are probably in the best position to do that. Right? Others may as well, those who are trained and so on, counselors and psychologists and all that. But, but human-friendly support, we are probably in the best position to offer that. So let us, my brothers and sisters, number one, first of all, begin by reinforcing our belief in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And our trust that He will open a way of ease and relief, inshaAllah. What we need to do is we need to connect with Him. First and foremost. Number one. Because Allah comes first, always. Whenever we start to do anything, whenever we think of a problem, anything, we must think of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala first. That should be our foundation, and then we launch, and then we go ahead and do what we have to do. Okay? It can be troubling to witness this chaos and to learn about it and the suffering. And of course it is very troubling, and we have, as we've discussed, a great responsibility to help. At the same time though, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala teaches us in the Qur'an to keep a positive outlook. Generally Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala teaches us to have a positive outlook, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us, عَسَىٰ أَن تَكْرَهُ شَيْءٌ وَهُوَ خَيْرٌ لَكُمْ وَعَسَىٰ أَن تُحِبُّ شَيْءٌ وَهُوَ شَرٌ لَكُمْ That perhaps you hate a thing and it is good for you. And perhaps you love a thing and it is bad for you. Right? Is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala who knows, Allah يَعْلَمُ وَنْتُمْ لَا تَعْلَمُونَ While you know not. Okay, so always try to have a positive outlook and a positive approach that inshaAllah there will be khayr, there will be goodness, there will be light at the end of the tunnel, inshaAllah. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the one who brings relief, ultimately. We, our job is to just make an effort. So keep turning to Allah azza wa jal with humility, with sincerity, right? Extra effort. Extra effort, including waking up at night, offering the tahajjud prayer, making dua in the darkness of the night, at times when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala accepts or particularly accepts du'as, number one. Number two, right, so of course, give donations. So every penny counts. We don't have pennies nowadays, but you know, every little bit counts. So give whatever you can. And the policy, as I mentioned before, we should try to have, is that every time there is a call, an appeal, give something, even if it's a dollar. Of course, if you can give more, it is better, that is encouraged. But don't try to leave an appeal without at least putting something in there because, you know, if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala asks us, and we talked about the blessings, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala asks us about our blessings, then at least we will have something to show for when we said that, okay, we weren't totally, you know, cold-hearted, we did put something, whatever we were able to at that time. Thirdly, let us plan and try to help as volunteers, as ansar, as helpers. Right? There will be a big need to assist 
in the resettlement of refugees. Simple things, the translation, uh, you know, school, how to you know, get children ready for school, the schools to register and so on and so forth, how to do shopping, how, to, you know, how things work, uh, getting supplies for the home, uh, visiting the doctor, getting a doctor's appointment, paying bills, getting used to life here, emotional, social support, right? These are all things that need to be, that you know, we should be offering assistance with, assistance with inshallah. And finally, the least thing that we can do, and of course the most important, is to make dua to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, the supplication of a Muslim for his brother in his absence will certainly be answered. Every time he makes a supplication for good for his brother, the angel appointed for this particular task says, Ameen, may it be for you too. So this is something very important and something very easy that we can do is always make dua for others. Of course, make dua for yourself, but in particular, don't forget to make dua for others. And inshallah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will accept our efforts and will bring barakah and bring relief. Inshallah. Finally, I'll close the hadith of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam that the most beloved of people according to Allah is he who brings most benefit. And the most beloved of deeds according to Allah the mighty, the magnificent, is that you bring happiness to a fellow Muslim. Is that? You bring happiness to a fellow Muslim or relieve him of distress or pay off his debt or stave away hunger from him. It is more beloved to me that I walk with my brother, with my Muslim brother in his time of need than I stay secluded in the masjid for a month. Right? So there's great value in being there for others, in particular for our brothers and sisters. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us the ability to help others in the best way possible. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant relief to all of those brothers and sisters and all other human beings who are suffering around the world. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala forgive us for our shortcomings. Allah azza wa jal protect us from all types of trials and tribulations. Ameen wa um, On that note, there's a few announcements. So first of all, inshallah we will be uh, continuing